What is going on, guys? I started late to try to see if Jez Corden, my buddy who I do the show with, would actually show up. Maybe he forgot the show. Uh, so I just wanted to let him, you know, get some time to see if he'd be here, but he's not. And I can't leave everybody hanging. So it's time to do the show solo. Maybe he shows up, maybe he doesn't. But. Let's get the show on the road. Now, since it's a solo show, it's going to flow a little bit differently than normal. So if you guys have some topics you really want to discuss, make sure you post them in chat. And while we're waiting for everybody to uh, file into the to the room, make sure you give the podcast a thumbs up or a dislike. I've been getting a lot of dislikes lately on some of my videos. And uh, yeah, I don't know um subscribe if you're new all that good stuff a lot of things to talk about i see a lot of people in chat we got uh topsy fuzzy belvedere amit sin alex how's everybody going guys (sighs) usually i don't look at chat too much while we do the xbox 2 podcast and quite honestly i'm not even really prepared i don't even have a topic list like i have ideas of things i want to talk about and usually me and Jez just kind of bounce things back and forth between each other. So I don't really have a prepared topic list to me to like glance over at to kind of get my mind back on track as here I am reading chat and already kind of getting distracted. But I want to thank everybody for showing up and listening to my insane ramblings. <laughs> Hope everybody enjoyed my troll video the other day, by the way. Uh, man, I really clickbaited the hell out of that video about Xbox hiring new people or hiring people for the Xbox next-gen system, the Xbox 2, the Xbox Scarlet, whatever you want to call it. Man, did I get so many people with that video. Like, I know people saw that title, and they were like, wait a minute, what is this, right? And I'm sure, just judging from the comments that I got in that video, I don't think a lot of people finished it. And sure, there was a few people that are like, you shouldn't have like explained the joke. But you see here on YouTube, most people don't like listen all the way through. You only get like one chance to make a good first impression. And I didn't want I didn't want people to think that I was that stupid or ignorant. So I had to explain the joke at the end. But it did hurt a lot of people's feelings. You can go check at the uh, dislikes on that video, and they're pretty high. (sighs) So what are we talking about today? Well, I kind of wanted to get some of uh, Jez's thoughts on a couple of the news stories that came out recently. Uh, He really wanted to talk about Fallout 76 because he quite loves that game and all the stuff surrounding it about the nylon bag and the collector's edition and all that stuff, right? How like Bethesda's like, we're not going to make it because it costs too much money. And he really wanted to talk about it. So it's kind of disappointing he's not actually here uh, to speak about it. Because, you know, quite frankly, I don't care about Fallout 76. I'm watching everything happening about Fallout 76 with a bucket of popcorn. And I'm just like eating it, sitting back, right? Because I'm not that big of a fan of Fallout. I'm not that big of a fan of Bethesda. You know, I you kind of reap what you sow in the games industry, you know, and they released a buggy game that a lot of people didn't want, and there's a lot of things wrong with that game. And you have the people trying to, uh, you know, like, 
clearly hate on the game for views or whatever, but then you have the fans trying to defend and really kind of like say, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's like, "Mm, I don't know. I mean, go on Metacritic right now. And that game is what? A 48, a 49. I mean, look, Sea of Thieves, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate Sea of Thieves. A lot of people did, but it's used as a barometer of like a triple A game from a major publisher that didn't do very well. Like you don't really include State of Decay 2 because that was a $30 product, right? Sea of Thieves, $60 product from Microsoft, like a 68 in Metacritic. Then you look at Fallout 76 and it's a 48. You think to yourself, holy crap, 20, it's not like it's like a 67, like a point less. It's 20 points less. Like Bethesda, what you doing, man? How, how did this happen? How did this whole scenario unfold? Then you got people who hate the game lining up against people that love the game. And it's just a really, Weird situation. I don't think we've have we ever seen something like this before with a developer like this who last year was loved and this year is now hated. I really hope it doesn't affect some of the other games because I'm looking really forward to uh, Rage Two next year. Um, I don't know, man. Poor, poor Bethesda. But I mean, this is what you get when you release a product like Fallout seventy six and you start having some bad PR, and uh, you know. <laughs> But it's not just Fallout 76 that's really having issues, right? You know, that game is what? That game was discounted a week later to 40 to 35 bucks. But Hitman 2 and Battlefield 5, like two weeks later, or a week and a half or whatever it is, boom, discounted to half price. Battlefield 5, $30. Hitman 2, $30. Two weeks or so after launch. So like every game that launched that week together all ended up like just caving with their prices in and just judging from the reaction about Hitman 2, we know that game bombed. Clearly nobody bought Hitman 2, which is a shame because Hitman 2 is actually a pretty good game. At least I think it is. And I wonder what the future for IO Interactive holds. Um... Yeah, you know, there's the rumors that Microsoft, which I I don't know if they'll actually go and buy them, but apparently they've considered the idea of asking. And look, now's the time to buy, right? They get dropped from Square Enix, and they're like, Square Enix doesn't want IO Interactive anymore. They let they give them the exclusive license to do Hitman. They make Hitman two. They find a new distributor in Warner Brothers, right? And what happens? Hitman 2 bombs so bad. And it's like, well, now Hitman's not a viable franchise anymore. And that's what IO Interact has been doing for a while. They they don't have the rights to do Kane and Lynch. They can do Freedom Fighters, but I don't think anybody cares about Freedom Fighters in this day and age. So the game that they were banking their whole studio on is now dead in the water. Has no future whatsoever. And now it's like... What are they going to do? They have like 200 people at the studio, if I'm not mistaken. I think they were at 300, and then they had the layoffs after Square Enix cut them. And uh, they, I think they landed at around like 180. And now, like, 
we know Hitman's is a disappointment. Nobody's going to buy it. And what do you do with the studio? If you're the head of the studio and you're looking for work and you're looking for things for people to do, you know, a game to make, to feed their families, you know, pay off their mortgages and stuff. What are you going to do? Do you go to Kickstarter? I mean, do you go to another publisher and be like, we want to do Hitman 3? What other publisher in the world would be like, yeah, that's a really good idea? No, none of them, right? And IO Interactive isn't that like big of a developer to be like, we want to do a new IP. So it's like, I wonder how many developers or how many publishers would take a, take a chance on IO Interactive. I don't think there's that many. So, of course, this is where Microsoft comes in. You know, with uh, Clover and a couple other people saying that they're looking into the possibility of acquiring them. I mean, I like the developer, and I like, I, I would want Microsoft to have as many good developers on staff as possible. But I mean, come on, I they wouldn't be able to make Hitman um, at all. See, I got a DM. And Jez says he's here. So I'm going to send him. Hello. Oh, there he is. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Hey, Jez. We're live, by the way. Yeah, no. I know. Uh, I hate everything. <laughs> what happened? I was, I was <laughs> talking about IO Interactive and how Hitman and everything bombed, uh, like Battlefield 5 and stuff. And I was just going over. My thoughts on it, you know, the whole like Microsoft looking to acquire them or considering it and if that's a good idea or not. All right. So what happened, man? Your uh, computer die on you? Okay, so I installed a Windows 10 cumulative update the other day and it caused my PC to constantly blue screen. So I had to reinstall literally everything. And then I didn't have a plug-in for Google Hangouts. And also I didn't have my reminder set up. So I just sort of been scrabbling to get everything out last minute. I got there in the end. Well, because you had sent me a message like two hours ago being like, we're on, let's do this. And I know you yeah. really wanted to talk about a lot of this stuff. And then like you, you didn't respond to like, where's Jez? And like yeah. we, we had a I bunch of people waiting. I didn't prepare. You didn't. Pre- I I didn't prepare either. Like I I didn't really do the show notes today because I'm kind of like running on borrowed time. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go into this show solo with like no notes prepared, and I'm just gonna wing it because that's what Rand does best. Are you sure what your PCs? Are you sure your PCs is not upset that you have a PlayStation Four now? Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I saw PlayStation Now on it. Oh yeah, actually. Yeah, I saw your tweet. So you actually tried out PlayStation Now. Yep, I did. I did. And? But, but wait, wait. First, first of all, what are we talking about? First, what are you? What have you been talking about? What have I missed? I was let's talking. Get, let's get organized, man. Let's get organized. Okay, we'll get organized. All right. So I talked about how every single game that came out two weeks ago, from Fallout seventy six to Battlefield five to Hitman two, looks like have bombed and have seen their prices cut. I talked about Fallout 76 and the hate, which I don't really particularly care about because I don't care about Fallout. But I know you care about Fallout, and yeah, you wanted to talk about some of this stuff. So if you want to start yeah. at Fallout 76... And... Well, <laughs> it just feels like with Fallout 76, they just keep 
Man, con- controversy after controversy after controversy after controversy. Yeah. Like that, that whole... First of all, the game's broken. Everyone's mad. And then that whole thing with the nylon bag. Have you talked about that yet? I mentioned it, but I didn't really go in depth in it. So what? Like, so what's up? So like, so the power armor, the two hundred dollar edition of Fallout seventy six, came with like a nylon bag for the helmet, right? It's supposed yes. to be like a nice nylon bag, but well, then it was, it was advertised as a canvas, you know, like a proper canvas bag, like army style, you know. And then, then it didn't. And then it was like a cheap nylon <laughs> crap that you get, like you know, at a dollar store or something, you know. <laughs> You know, looks, you know, when you're in like a, a supermarket and they're like, "Oh, do you want us to bag your stuff?" It's like one of those really crappy bags. And then one of the Bethesda's, con- according to them, one of their contracted support staff said something like, "We have no plans on fixing it." Sorry, to someone who was complained about it. And then to make things worse, after Bethesda apologized for the way their support staff handled it. They were like, we'll give you 500 in-game credits Buy to make up for it. Yeah. Which is like five bucks and you can't really buy anything, right? You can buy cactus plants with it. Cactus plants? Jesus. So Alex in chat says, Todd and his sweet little eyes. I did watch the Crobat video where it's just like, <laughs> tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Yeah, Todd, how- oh my God, Bethesda. <laughs> and I sent you the gift last night because we were talking about it. Like the quote from the dark night you either die a hero or you live long <laughs> enough to see yourself become the villain right that's exactly what's happened and shout out to alex for the super chat really appreciate the support we have 263 people in here jez is here finally it's going to be a proper podcast do us a favor hit that like button or hit the dislike button uh leave a comment in the live chat i'll be checking it out and we're going to get going jez <sighs> Do you think the do you think the hate for can I guess the better question would be can Fallout seventy six be saved or is it um yes, it can be saved you can be you can be saved <sighs> well according to Bethesda millions of people are playing it well oh, I don't I don't it was number two on Xbox by the way when the price dropped um, yes. it was number two and Hitman two was number one hundred if number that gives 100? you yeah because we I was looking. Oh my god! We were we were playing. Me and my buddies were playing Battlefield Five, and I was waiting for their game to end. So I was in, um, I was in like the store, and I'm like, man, Fallout's number two, Call of Duty, Black Ops Four was number one, Red Dead was number three, even Battlefield Five, which you know was half priced this past week. A lot of people don't like it. I like it. I like the multiplayer. At least single player is absolutely terrible. That was like number six. So I'm like, where is Hitman Two? And it was at Place 100. That's awful. So you know that game utterly bombed, Jez. Like, a spectacular bomb. But, might be good for Xbox Studios, because maybe the price comes down for Interactive, and Microsoft steps in, and he's like, hey, you know, like Obsidian and NXI, like, you don't want to worry about Kickstarter funds to get your next game? Come with us. Make a new IP, you know? Yeah, but the... Make a new IP, but... Surely the the value with IO is the Hitman IP, right? Is it? No. Isn't it? I mean, I would say yes until Hitman 2 bombed. Right? But why did it bomb? 
Like because they screwed it up with the the episodic release of the original, the 2016 one, the one that came out a couple years that was digital only for a while and it was an episodic. They released one episode and then months later. I think people are completely over that model. And as a big person who is a, you know, a, a, a like a really big Hitman fan, uh I I was completely turned off of that model. Like I didn't yeah. care about it. And I know plenty of other people who felt the same. And then when they actually did play it, they're like, "Wow, this is really good." But I think it's it's like you have a, you have like one chance to make a great first impression, and it's like you download that yeah. IO Interactive uh, Hitman game, and it's like okay, there's one map here. You play it, and it's like eh, whatever, and you forget about it. And Hitman Two comes out, and it's a full product, six maps. It even has like all the other f- maps from the first season remastered, and nobody cares. It's and, so strange to me because IO was pretty good. It is good. It is good. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to play it myself, but it's kind of like out of all the games that have come that have come out recently, Red Dead, Battlefield, Fallout seventy six, Hitman's just really low on my list of priorities right now. And it's really low on everybody's list of priorities. But like the thing is, I was saying was that they're gonna have to be looking for work soon, and Hitman three is not gonna be a viable option after what happened with Hitman two. And what are they going to do? Like you said, their biggest thing was Hitman. So, like, they can't do the third one, and they're going to be looking for work. So it's like, what do, they, do you do a new IP? Do you go Kickstarter route? Would another publisher be willing to, to you know, give them money to make a new IP? I don't know. I'm just saying. Plus, we saw, I don't know if we'll talk about this later, but Cloberl's tweet, as well as a couple, like, people at Reset Era, the Insiders, about, like, yeah, Microsoft is nowhere near done buying studios. Um, oh, no. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But shout out to Ryan, the professional. The Super Chat, he says, make Jez play Fallout 76 for being late. Well, Ryan, Jez loves Fallout 76. I so like gladly I'm playing it right now. <laughs> he, he's playing it as we're doing this podcast. And shout out for Alex, who says the same. Jez did play it. He's playing it now. Thank you, guys. Many hours or the support. Game? You got too many hours on that game, Jazz. Too many hours. I just but, suck it for this kind of game, man. Like I played Conan Exiles for like 150 hours, and it's the it's the same gameplay loop: building, grinding, you know, jank. I I just like I just maybe I just like broken games, man. I, I don't know. I have an interesting <laughs> talk uh, talking point. I wanted to ask you. It's a question I've thought about, which we'll give both of our opinions on. And since we're both reviewers, you review a lot of games on Windows Central. I review games here on YouTube. And it comes, it's more about re-reviewing games. And maybe you can kind of see where I'm going here, right? So, Red Dead Online came out this week, right? And it seems a lot of the problems with the game's controls are really apparent in the online aspect of it, right? And there has been a call for people to re-review the game... Because it didn't ship with the single player at launch when the game launched on October 26th, right? So there's this call for... And I think some of them are just upset that it has a higher Metacritic than God of War. Because I notice it's mostly people who want God of War to be game of the year. (laughs) And because Red Dead Online's... So extra free content means lower review score. Well, so that's the th- so that's the thing. So it's like, 
Should should you re-review the game because the multiplayer, or rather, the game came out, Red Dead Redemption, and the reviews were all for the single player, clearly. And the multiplayer is out, and maybe it's not the best. So should people go back and re-review their game and lower their score because the... Uh, you know, the, the complete package isn't as great. And I've seen that talked about. Do you, I mean, what do you think about that whole idea of like, Oh, bullshit. You think it's total got, bullshit? I mean, people reviewed, people reviewed red dead on the basis of it being $60. This is what you get for $60. You get that extra stuff for free. The red, I'm sorry, but red dead redemption was a five out of five game without the online portion. In my opinion. So, I think it's bullshit. Now, Jamie Jamie Dixon says extra free content question mark. Uh, multiplayer was promised from the jump, and that's true. It, this wasn't something that they added for free later on. This was something that was always part of the package. It just wasn't I, there um, at launch. I, I mean, sure, but the, the thing is, <laughs> Red Dead without the multiplayer gives you way more than most games at $60. So I agree I with you. Don't get the argument. I, I agree with it. you. I ain't going to touch that multiplayer. And I still think it's a five out of five game. I would have paid more than sixty for Red Dead. It's it's awesome. I agree with you that Red Dead Redemption's single player offers more than most games. Um, however, I think they dodged the bullet on this one. To be quite honest with you, because I th- see, I don't know how this would have been t- if if the multiplayer was there day one, alongside the single player. Would people ha- and say the the multiplayer is not very good, but the single player is what it is? Would anybody have really docked the game for having a bad multiplayer? I mean, nobody docked God of War for not having multiplayer, right? It was just like, hey, here's a single player offering. It's great, ten out of ten, nine out of ten. And I'm just, I, I don't know. It's an interesting argument, isn't it? Because it's like. Like, uh, for example, people will have docked Battlefield Five for its single player, even though the multiplayer's. Are you sure? Standalone experience is probably worth sixty. You, you, do you think people really docked Battlefield? Because even like I put out a video, and I was like, "This is just a review of the campaign, right? This isn't a review of the whole product." And I trashed it because the single player game uh, campaign of Battlefield Five is absolutely horrible. It's short. It's incomplete and it's awful, I think, was my my thing. And most of the comments in the chat were, who plays Battlefield Five for the single player? This, this video is irrelevant, right? And I guess, I mean, look at look what Call of Duty just did. Call of Duty got its best reviews and it removed the, the single player, right? I, like, so... Isn't it the best-selling Call of Duty for, for, for ages? Yeah. Forever? Yeah, know. so it's like an interesting thing here. So like you think having like the, the the single player in Battlefield 5 affect the scores, it doesn't really seem like it because it just seems people don't like Battlefield 5 regardless. And then there's Call of Duty which removes a single player but gets higher scores. And then you have Red Dead Redemption which got perfect scores for the single player, but now the multiplayer is out and it's not that good and has issues and people want a re-review of that to drive the score down. It's such an interesting conversation, you know, and I don't know, I don't know where I honestly sit on it. I, I think, can... I suppose it's, it's kind of smart of Rockstar to avoid any sort of controversy about the multiplayer by like, you know, like they've avoided tarnishing Red Dead 
the review level by not shipping the multiplayer alongside it, maybe. Yeah, the and thing I, is, I remember GTA Online having the same complaints when it launched, especially on PC, full of hackers. I mean, even now, it's full of hackers. It's it's chaotic and it's a mess, but millions of people play it. Yeah. So I mean, Car- I don't Car- know what people. Car- 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 sorry, go on. I was going to say, Carl in chat says, go ahead and do a separate review for online, and that's fine. And I think that's pretty much it, right? Like, Red Dead Redemption 2's initial reviews were all just about the single player. Nobody's stopping you from them doing a review of the Red Dead Online. Well, I've, I've seen IGN did a separate review of something recently in, the, in that vein. I can't remember what it was now, but I've seen some sites do that where they review you know, the parts of the game separately. But it makes sense for some games, but not others. I mean, if, uh, say, say for example, if Red Dead Redemption was, I don't know, eight, eight hours long and it shipped with a single player, uh, shipped with the multiplayer, then the multiplayer would have been a big part of that overall package, right? But to me, it kind of just feels like a bonus. I don't yeah. know. Is I don't, that the wrong way of thinking about it? I don't know. I have no intention of ever playing I'm Red never, Dead Online, I'm, right? Neither do I. And I, I still think Red Dead Redemption 2 is the best game I played this year. And even if I did play the online, like say I went and played the online and it sucked, it still wouldn't make me drop my score because the enjoyment I got out of playing the 70-hour campaign for Red Dead Redemption 2 was better than any other game I played this year. And that's even with a crappy multiplayer mode i feel the same but yeah that, that's just for me and shout out to jamie dixon for the super chat he says red dead redemption 2 controls are rough at best eight out of ten at most i mean the <laughs> controls are what kind of hold it back for a lot of I people like the controls you like the controls man you like fallout 76 and you like red dead redemption <laughs> 2 controls they've, they've got weight they feel like interactive i, I can't explain it i don't mind them you know I don't think every game needs to control the same way. No, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I don't think every game needs to control the I was same. Playing, um, I was playing uh, the game that I tested PlayStation Now with was um, F- F-E-A-R, Fear, you know. Fear, yes, Fear. Yeah. Great great franchise. Love it. Please bring it back. Or, you know what? For all the Fear fans out there, uh, make it backwards compatible, right? Yeah, I, uh, I tweeted... Um, Mr. Stillwell from the Black and Pat team about it. But yeah, like the the controls in that are really strange by today's standards. You're like you click in the stick to aim down sights and the left trigger is to throw a grenade. It's a bit it is strange, you know. But like some things are just intuitive, like having using both sticks for aiming and shooting. But like I don't know. I kind of get where they were they were coming from with Red Dead. Like the whole point of Red Dead was making you feel like you had to press buttons to do anything. Like nothing, nothing was automatic in that game or com- convenient, for lack of a better word. I-, I think I know what they were going for, and maybe they didn't achieve it. But that's a whole another discussion. All right, and uh, out of ten though, nah. You want to do a little prediction here? Put your little prediction hat on. You ready? 
I don't like doing this because everyone gets mad when your when your guesses aren't accurate and they go, "Oh, your prediction's always wrong, man!" Like you're supposed to be psychic or something. I know, right? God. I know. Right. There's this there's this one guy that really is upset who says, "Like I've never predicted anything right, and neither have Jez." It's like, have you been paying attention, sir? <laughs> but I wanted to shift the topic to the Game Awards and how there are 10 games, apparently 10 brand new games getting announced at the Game Awards. And I wanted to kind of do a prediction and try to guess what some of those games could be. Are you down for that, Jez? Sure, why not? So I'm going to go out on a limb and say for sure Mortal Kombat 11 is getting announced. I think there's been too much movement on social media, especially with Ed Boon. They usually release games on a two-year cycle. They didn't announce one at this past E3. So I'm going to go out a limb, and if I had $100 to bet, I'd put it in on Mortal Kombat 11 being announced at the Game Awards. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably a fair bet. All right. Now. what? Speaking of Mortal Kombat, there's one thing I always, I often say Xbox fans talk about, and that's this idea of um, Mortal Kombat versus... Killer Instinct, Killer right? Instinct. Now, that would be a really cool game. Can you imagine the characters of Mortal Kombat squaring off against Killer Instinct and having fatalities? But is that something Warner Brothers would be interested in? As a game exactly. that you... Exactly. It, it's more... It benefits Microsoft more than yeah. Warner Brothers. I mean, they wouldn't be able to sell it on PlayStation or the Switch if it could run there. It'd just be an Xbox game. So I could see... Like, you know, remember how, like, the Soul Calibur games had, like, exclusive characters for each version? Like, Soul Calibur 2 had Spawn for Xbox, and the Nintendo GameCube had Link, and I think uh, the PlayStation had a dude from Tekken. I could see something like Mortal Kombat having a guest character, like, oh, and uh, it's, um, you know, uh, Sako. Somebody, or it's Master Chief. No, not Master Chief. It's 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 somebody from the Killer Instinct roster in Mortal Kombat it's 11. Sacco. And then, you know. It's Sacco. Oh, so I was going to say bring up Rocksteady and talk about their game. But Sam Tolbert, shout out to Sam, excellent writer at Tick, says that Rocksteady has just confirmed that their game will not be revealed at the Game Awards and that it is not Superman. And, uh... Well, so... I'm glad it's not Superman, because Superman is lame. Well, I've heard... Sorry, DC fans. Superman is the lamest superhero. I've heard for a long time that it's not Superman, and people are barking up the wrong tree on that one. So I actually was going to say it was going to be revealed there. So shout out to Sam for saying it's not. Save me from being wrong. Oh, my God. Oh, can you imagine being wrong on a a (laughs) prediction, Jazz? The whole world is... Uh, but here's here here's something I did here. It's not Superman, and it's really not something you would think. It's it's not Justice League. It's not Batman. Uh, it's not Wonder Woman. It's a group of superheroes, from what I've been told. Um, but yeah, so, Titans. I don't know. But um, Watchmen. That'd be Watchmen. Cool. I don't know. It's whatever Warner Brother owns. Like I I don't know. But uh, I'm kind of disappointed that it's not going Probably to pause. be Superman. <laughs> I'm really disappointed it's not Superman, to be quite honest with you. I really would love but, um, to see... Harry Potter Pokemon Go games coming out this year. That'd be a good time. Yeah. And that Warner Brothers are are looking to... Um, um, 
they are looking to make more games on the Harry Potter IP. So, well, yeah. So there is that uh, Avalanche Studio. There was that kind of leak that they were working on a Harry Potter game. So, um, well, not the Avalanche that makes Justice uh, Just Cause Four or Rage Two. There's there's like Avalanche. See, there's two Avalanche Studio. You'd have to look this up, but they're named a little bit different. Like one's Avalanche Entertainment and one's Avalanche Studios. Uh, so like one of them makes Just Cause and Rage Two, and the other one makes like uh, Disney Infinity and Cars Three: Driven to Win, and now Harry Potter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh, I'm trying to think of some other games. Uh, there's that that uh trademark listing for an alien game which oh yeah i saw that blackout yeah something like that which i would die for i love alien isolation now yesterday they announced that uh the directors of avengers are going to be there which there's no way in hell that jeff keely in the game awards well so that's the thing so it's like Square Enix, so they're doing that Avengers project with Crystal Dynamics. So I think they're going to announce the Avengers game, finally show it off. Because they're clearly not going to show the trailer for Avengers 4. Because there's no way Jeff Keighley and the Game Awards have that kind of money to pay Disney and Marvel. And, you know, they would rather just do it on their own channels, like uh, an ABC channel or maybe ESPN. So I think Avengers finally gets shown off at the Game Awards. Um, and I actually think Death Stranding is going to be announced for 2019. Call that a weird prediction, maybe a crazy prediction, but we do know one thing. Jeff Keighley and uh, Hideo Kojima are like best buds, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. They're, they're very tight. <laughs> and I have a feeling, I have a feeling there's going to be two big PlayStation 4 exclusives this year. One of them, obviously, is Days Gone already. And I think the other one is that stranding. And I think the 2020 games are goes to Shima and last of us part two. So I think because maybe because, you know, they just want to do a favor for Jeff Keighley and their buddies. Um, maybe it'll get more talk, but I think there'll be a new death stranding trailer with a release date. Hmm. Possibly. Um, but that's not really I'm so, so intrigued by death stranding. I mean, I what think the hell is that game. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But we do know that a brand new game is being shown off by Obsidian. And I think you might know a little bit more about this, right? Since I mean, you I don't. But like you love Obsidian in Exile. You're telling me how much they're awesome they are. And now you don't I know? know? I don't know what they're working on. Well, supposedly it's know. a it's a game from the Fallout creators, right? And it's a it's like a space RPG of some kind. Sounds like it. I'm just curious if it's going to be another sort of isometric game. Because that's what they've sort of... That's what they've been working on lately, is those isometric games using their... um, I can't remember what the name of the engine is. But they used it for Tyranny, Torment, Tides of Numenera is built on it as well, from In Exile. Um, And the uh, Pillars of Eternity games built on it. So I'm wondering if they're using that. But there's also... They also announced they're building a game on Unreal Engine 4 as well. Mm-hmm. So, could it be that? Are they going to make an actual like higher end sort of game now? I don't know. I don't know. So, but let people. So, th- 
there's been kind of some confusion around this game. Uh, some people think this is a Microsoft exclusive, no. uh, but it's not, right? No, they've got a pre-existing contract with 2K. I remember right. Is it 2K? Right, yeah, private division or something like they're. Uh... Yeah, they're working in partnership with another dev called the uh, called that or whatever they're called. I can't remember, but and the 2K is publishing it. And I think they've already said something to the effect of their existing contracts will be honored. And um, which is why Bard's Tale, Bard's Tale is still coming to PS4 from In Exile, and also Wasteland 3 is also coming to PS4 because they've already announced it. But like, whatever happens after that, I guess, is up to Microsoft. But um, so, whatever this next Obsidian game is, is probably multiplayer. Probably, it's probably, but it'll probably be like it'll probably be on Xbox Game Pass and um, and uh, Windows Ten and stuff like that too. But how does that work going forward? Say this <clears throat> game's a success, and I have read that even though Microsoft will own the IP because it's Obsidian owned, that uh, Take Two or Two K uh, has the first rights to the sequel. So does they just does Microsoft just be like, no, you're not making one, or does Microsoft just like buy the rights from take two. Like, what do you I think? They, maybe that could do some sort of collaborative deal. I mean, if it becomes like this super hit, I doubt Microsoft's going to sit on it. But I mean, did you see the artwork for it? It looked quite cool. Like sort of steampunky almost retro, retro space. E lack of a better, uh, so can you think of any other games that might get announced? Um, mm. I know there's supposed to be 10. Uh, there's some talks that maybe Borderlands 3 might be there, like Randy Pitchford. Yeah, was, a, I mean, it, it seems like every single last E3 is like, everybody's like, it's Borderlands 3, Borderlands 3, Borderlands 3. Um, and I know it's a franchise people still care about. Um, there's talks that Metroid Prime 4 is going to be revealed. I think uh, Microsoft's going to have something there. By the way, I might have heard. Well, they do have the winner of Arcade there, right? Uh, Which they're going to show off and announce the game's part of it in December. Now, if I had to guess, one's going to be Ashen and one's going to be Below. Oh, yeah. Ashen's already already confirmed for Game Awards, right? I don't think so but they have yeah, confirmed that the game's still scheduled for 2018 i think they said something to the effect of was seeing near the game awards i, th- I think okay. unless i'm mixing it up with someone else so what so what game do you think of microsoft's will be there i mean uh, crackdown's the coming out pretty soon I, can't, I although i can't see microsoft giving them a crackdown do you think something else is it uh Ninja and below maybe. I guess, I guess so. I guess, I guess this should. I, I actually can't wait to watch the game awards. Uh, I think it's gotten better every single year they've done it. It's still and, pretty cringe. Well, some of it's pretty cringy, and um, it's it's more like an advertising campaign for like upcoming games, and it really is about like celebrating the people who make video games. Yeah, it's so, become more like the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, so you know, ten new announcements, whole bunch of other stuff. I'm sure there'll be games like last year. They revealed, uh, you know, uh, from Software's 
which turned out to be Sekiro and stuff, and a Bayonetta three from Nintendo. So there were some pretty cool um, surprises last year. So I'm kind of interested in seeing uh, what they're going to unveil this year. It's a little bit disappointing that Rocksteady, and I did see the tweet, they did say they won't be there, and it's definitely not Superman, which is going to piss a lot of people off. Uh, man, that game has to be a next gen title at this point. Like cross I don't gen. cross gen. Well, I don't know. Batman Arkham Knight went uh, didn't go cross gen. It was kind of just um, it was just it was just next gen. But yeah, um, what do you want to <clears> talk about? Next? Oh, uh, I know. Talk about I, next. I got something for you, Jess. Did you hear that? The new Xbox Studios that Microsoft acquired are getting unlimited budgets. <laughs> I saw the headline at least. Mm-hmm. And you called it what? I think your words were the most clickbaity headline ever written, or something. Pretty much. Um, I I didn't like that headline because it's basically like an anecdote from an anecdote turned into a headline. In an interview where no, n- unlimited budgets were never even uttered. Yeah. In, n- the word unlimited budget was never said. So <clears throat> what what apparently Mikey Barr said was to Boogie, uh, that YouTuber guy, that they were telling studios to try and realize their, their wildest dreams. Now, that doesn't mean unlimited budget because there's no such thing as unlimited budget. So that's clickbait, in my opinion. I don't know if you think it's clickbait. Well, I I did actually talk about that in the video I made because I was like, there's no mention of a limited budget here. And Segment Next, who ran the article, included it as their headline because, obviously, a headline that says Xbox giving a limited budget to studios is going to get clicks and eyes. Which, by the way, didn't you just like destroy segment next weren't they just copying one of your articles <laughs> yeah. i got someone fired i feel kind of bad well but, i mean uh, you, yeah. did, you did basically steal your article so i mean i don't know I, don't, I, I stole don't... um asher wrote asher wrote an article uh based on what the mpd dude said and right. um which we'll talk about because it's yeah and the guy from segment next copied it almost word for word Someone noticed it and told me about it. I called out Segment Next about it. And then the editor was like, oh, yeah, we're sorry about this. We've parted ways with the writer, deleted all of his articles. And... <laughs> so what do you... Th- I mean, so the the limited budget thing, do you think this kind of... Because uh... I made the argument in my in my video that... People will not now take this as something Microsoft said. And they'll hold it against them when nobody from Microsoft said there was a limited budget. But then like when the first game comes out from, you know, compulsion and it's a double a game, people are going to be like, but I thought they had a $200 million budget. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I already see this happen. Like I honestly think that a lot of these studios are going to work on a, 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 work on a game with a budget they haven't seen in quite some time. Maybe the biggest budget that they've worked on. Um, it's not but- just the 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 most eye opening thing you can do is read the Eurogamer interview with uh, Brian Fargo from In Exile. It's like 
Yeah, they've they've just joined this big company, but it's not like about suddenly the quality of their games is suddenly going to hit Naughty Dog's level. It's about having a good business plan to grow steadily. You know, you don't just become Naughty Dog overnight. It took Naughty Dog like decade, like over a decade to get to where they are now. Right. Right. So <clears throat> these studios have a plan for growth, and Microsoft has a plan to grow them. But they're still going to be small studios. I think, like, in Exile's plan is to grow by 30% to like 100 employees. You don't make a AAA game with 100 employees in 2018. You know, right. it's, just not, it's just not feasible. So, you know, people need to get their um, expectations in check. You know, if, if they think, like, all of a sudden Microsoft Studios' output is going to match Sony's recent output in terms of AAA quality. It ain't, it ain't happening, I'm sad to say. Well, not not for all their studios, clearly. But I just want to address something in chat. Uh, the Raven Flow says, all of these ridiculous terms have come from Xbox or Xbox fans. Uh, sometimes I would agree with you. In a lot of cases, I think sometimes that is true. But in this case, uh, the unlimited budget thing came from a website uh, that made it up. That Mike Ybarra didn't say to Boogie. So in this was particular it segment, next that posted that. Yeah, it was segment mess. Yeah, they were the one. I mean, okay. Granted, a lot of Xbox fans ran with the idea because it sounds amazing. Oh my god, all these new studios getting a limited budget, but it's not something Xbox fans or Xbox executives uh, even bothered to say. Like they didn't say anything. So I, while I I would agree with you. Sometimes Ravenflow and this one, I'm going to say that uh, that's completely wrong. Like they only they only ran with it because some website made it up as a headline, and you know just as well as I do because I see the analytics on my own videos, and I'm sure Jez sees the analytics on his his articles. People see the headline and they barely read through the content. Right? right? They see Xbox giving unlimited budgets and they don't even bother reading. What was said? So then they just gets passed around from people, and it's like, did you hear? Did you hear Xbox is giving unlimited budgets to Ninja Theory? And you're like, no way, dude, that's amazing. But it's all just BS. It's like a, a long game of telephone. When it's like the article's right there, you can just click on it and read it and, and see for yourself that it's not true. And I think people people want it to be true. Um, it's not true. You know, because people want, like, I want to be really excited about, you know, what Microsoft is doing and stuff, right? And Jamie Dixon says, well, that's the point of the headline. Yes, that's the point of every clickbait headline. It's to get you to click on the article and get you to click on the video, right? That is the entire premise. And the difference was, here's why I take a little bit of issue. Unlimited budget was never said in the interview it was something the article writer made up it'd be one thing if mike or boogie actually said unlimited budget in the conversation and then you could quote it and put it as your headline for the article but nobody said anything so it was clearly something made up by that guy look at my video yesterday some people will say oh that video is clickbaity Xbox One X is performing phenomenally. I have it in quotes. It's a literal quote from somebody. It's not clickbait in any sense. It's a direct quote. 
Yeah, yeah like um, when, when we wrote up Matt uh, Piscatella, is that his name? Um, we wrote up his um, comments about Xbox One X doing phenomenally well. We literally just covered his comments as he said them. And people called that clickbait. And it's like, that's literally what he said. <laughs> you know, there's just only facts in that article. I think people like, they've got, we've gotten to a point now where people just like, they don't know what clickbait means. And they just, anything that they disagree with is fake news or clickbait. And facts don't matter anymore, man. 2018, facts don't matter. Well, yeah, that's the thing. No, everything is click. If you don't agree with the title, it's clickbait. It's clickbait this and clickbait that and clickbait everything, which isn't true. Like, I, I try to like pride myself on not clickbaiting a lot of my titles as the phone's ringing, obviously telling me I'm wrong. <laughs> That's just that phone, man. But like, I, I, I will say I did clickbait that one video, <gasps> uh, which, which no. was was the whole point, though, right? And I, I'm, I don't See, know. If I, you... I have the luxury of not writing my own titles, so I can just say, "Well, I didn't write that, so it's not my fault." Like I literally made it a point to clickbait the title as best as I could. When what was it? It was Microsoft did the impossible! Exclamation point. New Xbox Two leaks destroy PlayStation Five. Xbox ends console war. Now so, is that your title? That was the title of my video, and the, <laughs> the video was literally about Microsoft hiring people to make the next Xbox. So I turned it into this big, huge troll thing about like why this wasn't really that big of a news. Of course, they're making new Xboxes, but people were talking about it like it was some megaton information, and I was just poking fun at the whole clickbait culture, right? And like, <laughs> oh, look at these leaks! These leaks are so amazing. And it's like, dude, what do you mean the leaks? It's on Microsoft's career page on their own website. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And That's hella leak, people, bro. people fell for it, man. Like a lot of people were like, "Dude, I clicked on your video because because clickbait works, dude. Clickbait works. You'd be surprised, but it it works so well on people. But then they get upset because they don't they they see the headline and they don't read the content, you know. Um, but yeah. Um, but speaking about the studio, so we both agree the limited budget thing was just used for clickbait. It's not really a thing. I'm sure whatever game they're going to build, Microsoft's going to give them the money to do it. But if, uh, you know, Compulsion says they need $200 million, Microsoft's going to go tell them to jump in a river, right? I mean, that's essentially, that's essentially uh, what's going on here. But I wanted to talk to you about Cloberl and okay. some of the people at Reset Era because I was specifically asked to ask you about this. And I know they're, I know they're listening at Reset Era in the Xbox Microsoft Studios thread. So how everybody is going there. I'm going to wave at you guys. Hi, guys. I'm scared. Um, I'm scared. So Cloberl <laughs> tweeted earlier today that, all right, he says, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Microsoft Studios growth isn't done yet. They are in active talks with multiple studios, both big and small, some of which, you might, which might surprise you more than others. It's early for all of them, though. 2019 will continue the story. And a few other people who know what they're talking about said the same thing. Microsoft ain't done buying studios, guys. Maybe they're done for this year, but next year they're definitely going to make some acquisitions, it looks like. So what do you make of this whole thing, Jez? Because I was asked specifically. Well, um, 
Satya Nadella said in the investors call that Microsoft's investing aggressively in its gaming portfolio, which pretty much hints at that fact that they are going to buy more studios. And it's not just studios. It's going to be technology as well. Things like Simply Gone, things like Havoc. You know, the, the, um, one of the things I was talking about with, uh, Brian Stone, who leads uh, Microsoft's engineering, Microsoft Studios engineering systems and stuff. Crackdown, Crackdown, um, Crackdown's cloud stuff is basically havoc in the cloud. And um, I was trying to, I was trying to lead him into saying that the plan was to package havoc, cl- cloud-based havoc, and sell it as a product. But he was, he wouldn't say that because he was just wanted to put the focus on Crackdown and stuff like that, which is cool and fine. But you have to imagine that they've invested all this time and money and effort into getting havoc working in the cloud. And that's something that they can theoretically apply to any game that uses Havoc, right? And there's a lot of games that use Havoc um, for for their physics. So, yeah, the, of course they haven't finished investing in, in game studios and technology and stuff like that. I mean, but I think I think ultimately what people, especially Xbox fans, what they want to see is like, I think they want to see more obsidians and more playgrounds on that sort of level and level and up, you know, mm-hmm. Exile is great. Compulsion is great. You know, I think in Exile have a lot to prove still. And so do compulsion games and undead labs as well, to a degree, but you know, you have to think about, you have to try and imagine what their long-term plan is here. And their long-term plan is to normalize streaming games to your phones and other devices and stuff like that. They need exclusive content in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Not just not just exclusive content, but compelling exclusive content. And like maybe Wasteland Three is going to be popular with an Exile's fan base, and in Exile does have its fans, myself included. But you have to wonder what what kind of reach a game like Wasteland Three would have with the mainstream. I think they need more mainstream sort of devs and studios. So you think they need bigger studios is what you're saying, or at least studios that are more popular? Yeah, or IP that's more that, known. If they want to, if they want to create that reach, and that's the thing Microsoft never really had is like they've never really had nostalgia to play with, like Sony and Nintendo have nostalgia to play with. You know, Microsoft doesn't really have that. Well, hold on one second here. Yeah, they do. It's called Rare. I mean, like. Like, look, and as much as like, a lot of rare, rare doesn't do it for me. They don't own. Well, what do you mean? Like Donkey Kong, Goldeneye, and stuff like that. True, but they do own Banjo and Conquer, and those, those aren't on that level though. And Perfect Dark, which true, but I'm saying for some people, those that studio and those games are nostalgic. You know, and not forever. Like for me, I don't care. Like I, I don't have an, any really interest in any of Rare's IPs. So I get it. And and you're right. Microsoft really doesn't have that um, that nostalgia, especially that Nintendo has. Nintendo has nostalgia factor through the roof. And uh, Sony, I think Sony less so um, than Nintendo. I. Th- would I be correct in saying that? I think they have a less yeah. n- nostalgia. 
Is it because the PlayStation One wasn't really built on exclusive party. games? It was built on third party, third party Listen, stuff. PlayStation has inherent nostalgia for the platform. I mean, the the fact that the fact that Crash Bandicoot sold as well as it did is purely because of PlayStation and the nostalgia that because like Crash Bandicoot was bundled with PlayStation One. At least it was in the UK. I don't know about America. Like Crash Bandicoot was huge in the UK when it launched. You know, what if Michael Pactor was right and he's like Microsoft just walks into Todd Howard and Pete Hines, he'd be like, We'll take over Fallout and all your businesses later, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you know, technically, like Fallout seventy six's physics is kind of havoc in the cloud. Oh really? Well Fallout seventy six is a cloud based game. Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't do it very well. Yeah. But like Bethesda's owned by Zenimax, so like Microsoft would have to buy Zenimax. No, Zenimax could just sell them to you know, they don't have to buy Zenimax. Zenimax could sell them to Bethesda, you know, Bethesda to micro look and I'm not even I know people will take it like rinse. I'm like, no, I did a video about this. I'm just saying that's what Michael Pactor said, because he was like, they're for sure getting sold at some point, either to Microsoft, Amazon, or Google. Uh, because Zenimax not going to want them. And who knows, maybe after this Fallout 76 disaster, they're going to be like, yeah, we need to get rid of these guys pronto. You know, like we need to... But <laughs> what, what else does Zenimax have besides... I don't know. Bethesda. I mean... <laughs> but they, but it, is nice to, it is nice to see the people that know, the people that have contacts being like, you know, Microsoft is still not finished. Like, yeah, they, they bought... Two new studios, no, six new studios this year and are building one from scratch, uh, you know, investing more in gaming than they literally ever had before. And of course, people will take the piss on that and be like, well, doesn't really mean much until the games come out. And sure, there is that. Like, yeah, these games won't be out for a few years. And it's like, you know, they make they make it's the memes. And it's of, like, it's just kind of exciting to me that Microsoft's... Finally, after all this time, it's no longer a pet project on Microsoft. Right. It's actually something they care about. Exactly. And that's the first time in the company's history that Xbox hasn't been this sort of awkward little side project in the shadow of Windows, in the shadow of Office and stuff like that. And I think like it's gonna take it's gonna take a while before Xbox really sort of comes into its own. But it's still, it's still, you know, it's always had that sort of stigma, that that sort of weird restriction. You know, in our old podcast, we talked about the Terry Myerson effect, and <laughs> and, and before Terry Myerson, the other people, because Xbox was always underneath Windows. You know, now Windows is less relevant than ever. Xbox was even beneath like Nokia and their mobile phones, as far as like budget concerns went. Oh, you God, know. Yeah. Like people don't realize that. Like people think like you're Microsoft, you're one of the richest companies in the world. Uh, but that doesn't translate to Xbox at the time. Xbox was just a division within windows, which most people don't even know about. They didn't, they don't know that Xbox is just a division of windows and that there was no one representing Xbox on the senior leadership team until Phil. Right. So like, it was promoted. So, like, you know, you get a budget for what's, you know, you bring in or whatever. And, like, w- clearly we saw a uh, stranglehold of the budget. I mean, you just look at the games from the for the last three years, right? 
like at some point during 2016 or 2015, Microsoft stopped investing in new games. And like, like, I, I don't know. It's pretty apparent to me. Like literally last year or this year, we had Forza Horizon 4, we had State of Decay 2, and we had Sea of Thieves. But like Sea of Thieves and State of Decay 2 were both delayed multiple times. And it's like, if they weren't delayed to 2018, then it would literally have just been Forza. So they were trying to like smooth out the release dates. 2017 only saw Halo Wars 2 and Forza Motorsport 8. And then 2018 saw Sea of Thieves and State of Decay 2. It's like, I don't know how much more apparent you guys can like realize that like, and I, I know people are going to laugh, but like, but because Microsoft is this billion dollar corporation, it's like they didn't have the resources of the money. Now laugh all you want, but it's the goddamn truth. Like I know it's the truth. Kaz knows it's the truth. I just didn't care to invest in Xbox. It was just unnecessary. Well, and in a lot of ways, it's it's still unnecessary in a way. But the difference is now, Xbox is becoming like in, intricately linked with other parts of Microsoft, and it's like it's it's stuff like you know selling cloud servers to companies, and you know one one very very big usage of cloud is gaming, you know. And Ubisoft, uh, Rainbow Six Siege servers run through Windows Azure, and uh, a bunch of other big name games run through Azure. I mean, you don't you don't hear about it often, but it happens, you know. And it's a lot of money. And Satya Nadella has grown Microsoft to become the highest market capitalization company on earth, eating Apple now. Well, they they say the back North of cloud. America though, so there, there must be a company bigger than them, right? Uh, maybe not either way the 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 point is like satya didn't care about xbox when he came in in 2014 he he didn't know anything about it and you could you could tell like the money went away but now that phil is you know part of the senior leadership team you can immediately see the results like six new studios seven new studios or whatever it is more to come next year uh, an investment in games like it, what was the quote? Like I, j- I saw something yesterday that Satya was talking about how they're going to ingress, uh, invest aggressively in gaming and like X cloud and all this stuff. Like this is something that was unprecedented for Microsoft yeah. uh, to treat Xbox the way they're treating it now. Um, will that lead to a resurgence next generation? I don't know. Like you would, you would like to think it would, you would like to think like a Microsoft that is, clearly investing in games, clearly cares about Xbox, releasing exclusive titles uh, for their fans, whether it's on the Xbox platform or on Windows 10. But, like, I'm not sure still that means, like, great success. And I've talked about it with you before. You know, they're planning on expanding to PC. They're planning on expanding to mobile with, with the cloud and be able to play everywhere and all that good stuff, which is great. I'm all for more people getting to play and all that stuff and expanding to new audiences. But I'm just not sure those new audiences are going to want what Microsoft is going to make, you know? So I, I still like, while it's great to have goals and their goals are incredibly lofty, 2 billion gamers, I'm just not sure those 2 billion gamers are going to care what Microsoft is making. But I mean, I could be that's, wrong. That's Well, that's, that's the problem they're trying to solve with these acquisitions. Right. That's the problem they're trying to solve, and they want they yeah, want people. It's not, it's not just Microsoft trying to solve this problem, like Diablo Immortal, 
partnered with NetEase, the Chinese publisher. That is all about trying to grow Blizzard's engagement base, right? That's like every company is trying to chase this sort of um, broader engagement. And China's one easy way of doing it. And this is why X, partially why xCloud is so important is because mobile is huge in Asia. Because mo- mobile phones aren't as regulated as consoles often are. Yeah. Plus, <clears throat> like, if you're a gamer, if you're just a consumer of products and you just love video games and you really don't have an allegiance to any company, you shouldn't want anybody to fail. Like, you should want Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft to be at their peak. Because if they're spending money and competing and making games for all of us, the only people that benefit are me, you, Jazz, and everybody listening to the show. You know, I know everybody has their preferences. I Mine's Xbox through and through, so is Jazz. I'm sure there's people here listening that are Xbox or maybe neutral or perhaps PlayStation. But... Even though I enjoy Xbox, I also enjoy Sony. I enjoy the games they make. I enjoy my PlayStation. And the two fighting for your money is what makes this special. Because like, you look at like Xbox Game Pass. You look at PlayStation Now. Now they're doing downloads. Like You look at this competition. You look at cross-play. Uh, Microsoft doing that. And now Sony's like, oh, we we might need to do that. Like all these things are only there because each one's pushing one another. And you might say, well, nobody's pushing Sony, right? Microsoft is too far behind to push Sony to do anything. And it's like, sure, maybe that's true. Maybe it's more developers pushing Sony to do it because developers are Sony's customers as well. But, you know, if games start going or being sold on different platforms and Sony starts losing money. They need to compete as well. It's like, it only benefits everybody. And it's weird because I don't think some people want that. Like we'll get into the Xbox one X stuff now. And Rand, I'll, I need to, I need to get the door. So I'll bear it back okay. for two minutes. Um, so like I was saying, like it only benefits the gamers. You get better games, you get better consumer practices on these consoles and we all win, but it doesn't always seem that way from everybody. There seems to be a certain section of fans, and this isn't specific to any group, PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo, that wants the other company to die. There are some PlayStation Nintendo fans that want Microsoft to absolutely just crash and burn and leave. There are some Xbox fans that want Sony to just crash and burn and leave. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's good for anybody. I don't think that's good for the industry. What's good for the industry is is exactly what I'm saying. People and these companies spending money, making games, creating these great consumer practices, and we all win. That's all I've ever wanted. Like, I want Xbox to do great, and I want PlayStation to do great. But there's this certain... And I call them the toxic fanboys, and they exist on every single side. Toxic Nintendo fanboys, toxic... Xbox fanboys and toxic PlayStation fanboys. How there's even toxic PC Master Race fanboys, right? And I just wish they would all go away. I just wish they would all just grow up from their 10-year-old mindset of when their mom came home with the Genesis. And because they didn't have money of their own, the Genesis was their life. And if somebody had a Nintendo, you know, Super Nintendo that was like, no, the Nintendo sucks because I only have a Genesis. Wah, wah. I can't get a Super NES, so the Genesis is all that matters. It's the best thing. And you know what? 
I'm old enough to remember those things back in the day because I like my parents bought me my first system and my second one, right? I was just talking about the console war at the playgrounds back in school. Now people, there was dividing <laughs> oh, the streets. Like we literally had at my school the Genesis crew and the Super Nintendo crew, right? Genesis and it, and it's literally only because <laughs> you you as a kid couldn't afford the product, right? So it's like you put your allegiances with and but people haven't outgrown it whatsoever. <laughs> There's forty year old people on here. There's people with kids, like grown ass adults. And they still are just, they've never outgrown that mindset. And it's pathetic to see from Xbox, toxic Xbox fans, toxic PlayStation fans, and toxic PC master. Like it, they exist everywhere. And it's, and it's, it's, it's sad. And I pity you. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. So moving on to the because this is where it really comes from the xbox one x performing phenomenally oh my god this got people so upset and i don't understand why i really don't like you could go read my comment section on my video and it's just people who think they know more than someone with actual sales information all these people have are their opinions and they think they are a hundred percent right and how how could they be? It's like, I don't know. It's like the perfect example of the society we live in and the type of fake news that goes on, That uh, which I don't want to delve into any political stuff, but I'm sure you know exactly what I, I'm hinting at. So um, I'm going to try to bring up uh, Matt's quote here. Let me see if I can find it. Is that Windows Central? I think it is, right? Uh, yes, there's somewhere. Is there somewhere? Well, Jazz, I need to find it. Windows Central, because I want to <laughs> say it correctly. Um, okay, let's see. Where's Windows Central? Search, search in Google, Windows Central, Xbox Phenomenal. Okay. Uh, Xbox Phenomenal. All right, there we go. Uh, okay, here we go. So this was the quote, because I don't want to misquote somebody. This was literally... Somebody asked Matt Piscatello, who's an MPD analyst, who literally has all the sales information you do not have, right? And he goes, hey, as an Xbox fan, good to know the days I need to stay off Twitter, right? Because Matt posted when the new MPD things would be coming out. And Matt says, Xbox One sales show the highest growth of the three major hardware platforms in the U.S. this year. And the Xbox One in particular has been performing phenomenally. Console warring on the internet is one of the dumber things people do, unfortunately which I thought was kind of funny. He goes on year over year growth like this at this point in the cycle has never been seen before driven by the launch of the Xbox one X and new content delivery efforts. It's a mid generation turnaround. The market's never seen before disqualifies as phenomenal, even if not market leading. And my God, that this cause this caused a lot of people to be upset. Oh yes. It this is. caused so many butthurt comments. And the funny thing is it comes from people who think they have all the answers who, for whatever reason, are sure that they're right, even though they all they have is their opinions and their gut feelings. And they're actually saying, like, the guy, which I showed you a tweet, someone who's literally saying uh, Microsoft is paying uh, MPD to damage control <laughs> for Microsoft. Oh, God. 
Like that I'm gonna read me up, man. Like nobody's nobody in the mainstream is reading what Billy says. <sighs> so 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 weird. So this I was in a conversation with this guy last night, and he obviously didn't want to hear anything about it, right? And then he ended up saying, like, someone asked, like, hey, what reason would Matt have to lie or make wild claims? I mean, honestly, uh, the only time his claims are challenged are when it doesn't suit certain fanboy narratives. Like, do you remember when State of Decay beat out Detroit and got a war in its second month, in its first month? Do you remember back in May? And and there was certain fanboys who couldn't accept the fact that State of Decay 2 sold more copies than Detroit and that it was number one wouldn't accept it said like MPD is a little suspicious but yet those are the same fanboys always bragging about MPD sales every single month pretty weird so this guy goes hey his reason is money or to simply damage control for Xbox One because Microsoft probably pays MPD group and console wars between PlayStation 4 Switch Xbox One generate money for websites devs and research groups NPD Matt would probably do the same for Sony if they were losing. This is like literally what somebody thinks is real. Well, that's the you thing. Know? It's like the only <laughs> the only way MPD can sell their analytics is if they're credible. So like if they're right, yeah. If they if they if they're taking money to skew the results to appease some losers on Twitter, that's not very credible, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, so funny. it's, and, and like, and, and Matt was even saying, it's like, listen, this doesn't mean Microsoft's winning. We all know they're not. We all know they're in third place. Well, second place, but soon to be third place. Nintendo Switch is about to eat their lunch. But for some people, it, it's not enough for Microsoft just to languish in third place. Like for some people, like Microsoft has to be failing. It's not enough that the PlayStation 4 is going to cross like 95 million units or whatever and be number one everywhere. God forbid there's a little bit positive Xbox news because these guys come in and they're just like, no, we can't have any of this. <laughs> Not at all. This is, this is wrong. But it's like, and they all, they all come up with the same thing. It's like PlayStation's winning and Xbox isn't. It was like, yeah, nobody's disputing these facts whatsoever. Just the same way Coke sells more than Pepsi. But Pepsi still sells their products. Uh, McDonald's sells more food than Burger King, but Burger King's still out there. KFC still sells more than Popeye's chickens. Yet they all can coexist happily. You know, uh, Subarus sell more than, you know, uh, Ferraris. But it's like, to some of these people, it's literally number one or nothing. Sales number, it's, it, and it's, it, it's it's I don't even know what else to say about it, Jez. It's weird. It's it's incredibly weird, and uh, and I because the only reason I really wanted to cover it was because I was thinking back about the conversations we had about the Xbox One X, about the conversations I heard other people you know mention about the Xbox One X back when, uh, just you know back when um. Back when so I'm getting, I got distracted because somebody uh, messaged me. Now, now I lost my train of thought. Okay, what was I saying, Jess? <laughs> completely you're, lost my train of thought. You're thinking back when. Oh, oh yeah. So I'm thinking back to 
all the times we thought about what the price of the Xbox One X would be and how we all thought it has to be $400 because if you price it at $500, you're just pricing it out of competition with the market. Nobody's going to buy a $500 Xbox One X. And everybody thought the same. You could go from IGN to all these different uh, gaming website journalists and everybody had the same thing. Like, Like $500 Xbox is a failure. Did they not learn from the launch of the original Xbox One and et cetera, et cetera? But like, if you look at what Matt's been saying and what Benji's been saying, some other things like the Xbox One X is doing incredibly well. In fact, some months it outsells the Pro, if not like every single month. And it kind of just flies in the face of all. Like me, I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I didn't think an X would do well at five hundred bucks. But here we are, and it's leading the sales growth, and they're calling it phenomenal and never seen before, and all this stuff. And it's just like. Maybe Microsoft knows what they're doing in this case. Maybe they knew people wanted the X. I don't know. It's just I, I just kind of like thought back to all the times they, we talked about it, and it's just like, hey, well, I guess we were wrong. They've been very good at demonstrating the value. You know, they've, you know, they, it's it's no coincidence that they gave um, Eurogamer and uh, you know Digital Foundry uh, exclusive access to the game it's no see it's no it's no coincidence so they did that not the game to the to the console because they wanted to like they really wanted to put across how good it was with with a certain hardcore audience and it worked because it is good console it's small it's quiet it's it runs cool and it's got the best visuals on console right now that's just you know as Aaron Greenberg says, product truth, you know. Product truth. Indeed. Uh, so, I mean, I don't even know where you want to go from. I mean, I guess, like, with how well the X is doing, does that impact their future plans? Because you got to think it might. You got to think, like, if they see people opting for the X over the cheaper S. Does that influence their next-gen hardware plans? Do they want to have a premium console skew at the launch of the next Xbox? Do they still want to continue on with the mid-gen upgrades a couple years in? You know, now well, they have. Well, that's one of the rumors I heard was that when we talked about it last week, I think, didn't we? One of the rumors I heard was that they were going to do two SKUs. One's going to be an S2, and one's going to be an X2, and they're going to launch together, and you can choose to pay premium for a super powerful xbox or you can choose to pay a bit less for sort of more accessible xbox you know that and again i don't know if it's true it's just a rumor that i've heard but it's like that creates problems in the sense that you know you've got devs have to test their games twice again potentially four times if they're building a a cross-chain game and uh, and that sort of stuff so it's like you have to balance that extra dev time against having those extra options so i don't know man you don't know i mean i I think it'll definitely influence stuff i mean i was writing about how there's that rumor about the streaming console right Mm -hmm. i I was saying that streaming console should uh not uh, the discless xbox i mean i was saying that the discless xbox should be an x not an s because the x is the x is the compelling console the S is the weakest console. I mean, Fallout 76, for example, 
It looks so bad. It looks so bad on the S, man. I even heard like Battlefield Five does not look good on the S. But you yeah, really I mean, don't. You don't hear about that anymore, right? Like you don't hear about how these games coming out now really look bad on the base Xbox. You only really yeah. hear about how good yeah. they look on the X. So, like, I think I saw a Warrior Ward. Shout out to shout out to Warrior Ward. It's been a long time, brother. Uh, I've been watching your videos on YouTube. I <laughs> I love your take on the game industry and everything going on, and I always have. Uh, he says the X success will ensure that Microsoft knows they always need the most powerful system, and I think he's right on that. I think Microsoft lost sight of that with the Xbox One. You know, they wanted to go to this, like, all-entertainment machine, and they kind of made it so... You know, with Connect in mind and all these different, so you could access all these apps that didn't have the fast RAM or the type of RAM that the PlayStation used, and it was underpowered and it bit them in the ass. And it was like Phil, like said, like one of the first things he did when he, you know, became head of Xbox was like, "We need to make a better Xbox. We need to like, we need to make sure that people know that we're going to always like kind of be at the power threshold." So I fully expect next gen at the launch i expect even if even if they're very similar i expect microsoft's console to just be a little bit more powerful um yeah, i i don't think microsoft ha- uh, sacrifices the power narrative ever again even if they're even if it's more expensive i think they'll always have the most powerful console and that's that's that just comes from you know surface and stuff like that like when, whenever they whenever they release a new surface they're, they're always like by the way it's 50 percent more powerful than the, t- the highest macbook you know and stuff like that because that is the simplest way to impress quality is to say it's more powerful than your closest competitor you know and like technically macbooks aren't surfaces closest competitor Technically, Surface's closest competitor are other PCs, right? But it's Mac, it's MacBooks that have like the mind share. It's not, it's not your your Dell XPS thirteen. It's it's your MacBooks, you know. Yeah. So, buddy boy, <clears throat> buddy boy says so. Going forward, the Xbox will always be the most expensive. I think they'll have a version of the system that will be the most expensive, but I also think they'll have another option. I think Microsoft is. One of the things you can take to the bank with Microsoft is their their really commitment to options. I mean, they say it all the time. They say it in the video on XCloud. Uh, Phil's repeated it ad nauseum. They want you to be able to play in the game, like the games you want to play with the people you want to play, when you want to play them, on the device you want to play it on. And I honestly think they're going to give people a slew of options next gen. I think Sony will just do a PlayStation Five that's really beefy, and I honestly think like the Xbox whatever the next gen system is going to be, it's like you're going to have that streaming discless system that Jez talked about at a really cheap price for people that are really price sensitive, but you know, like don't want the best. So that'll be there for them. Then they'll have a system priced right around what the PlayStation five is for those people. And then they'll have a premium system for the people that want like the best experience that don't want to play on a, PC because I already know the argument. People just say, just get a gaming PC. And sure, you can do that. And all these games that Microsoft is doing, they'll all be on your PC. So if you want to play it there, you can play it there. Your if Windows you, PC. 
Well, right. But I mean, like the whole, the, their whole strategy, just listen to what they say every single time. It's, it's about options and they're going to give you the options. Now, Buddy Boy then goes on to say, do you think next-gen Microsoft will have too many SKUs and cause confusion like the PS3 did? Mm, I mean, that's something they would have to carefully message and market appropriately and write uh, as maybe the multiple SKUs potentially confuse some people on like, hey, why is this Xbox next-gen console 150 bucks compared to this one that's 500 you know? But that's for them to figure out. But that's the thing. It's like Apple has done that for them. You know, in the in 2018, people are used to multiple SKUs of products. You know, you've got the iPhone XS, the XR, and all that gubbins. You know, and why not apply that to consoles? There's no reason to not do that anymore, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, app. I don't know. Some people say consumers are really stupid. Some people say like consumers are perfectly, you know, fine or whatever. I mean, I don't have any like research on that, but I mean, like you said, Apple does it. They do it effectively. Uh, it doesn't really hurt them. Although I did hear that the new iPhones aren't selling as well as uh, previous ones, and like that's why their stock market price dropped and why Microsoft oh, yeah. uh, went ahead of them. Uh, do you think maybe the, the, the floor is about to fall out on the, the, the cellular phone market, which was so like big for a long time, or is just kind of just an aberration with Apple on, on this front? I mean, it's a, <clears throat> it's a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's, it's kind of got to the point where like last year's iPhone is good enough, you know, like my galaxy S nine is good enough. Like the galaxy S 10 or whatever it is. I'm going to be so much better that I'm going to be running out to upgrade. Unlike a console where there'll be like a whole, you know, generational leap, you know, every game at 60 frames per second. That is like, that is something worth paying for, you know? Yeah. Whereas like, what, what do you get with an, what do you get with a new iPhone? Your smaller notch? It's bollocks, man. <laughs> that's, so that's why Apple's in trouble is because they're, 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 business is so lacking in diversity that if if the if the smartphone market uh becomes saturated they're screwed because they got nothing to fall back on nobody buys macbooks nobody nobody really buys ipads believe it or not you know nobody's buying the apple watch and you see it a lot on on youtube and on tv and stuff but if you look at the numbers they're not that great hmm yeah. So uh Al Paul wants to know, do you think it's important that the Xbox two comes out when the PS five comes out or is a year later okay? Um, I think it's important. That's... I think it's incredibly important, but I think we do know at this point they're both coming out in twenty twenty. The question is like is one going to be March twenty twenty or is one gonna be November twenty twenty? And if Let's just like speculate here for a second, Jez. PlayStation Five is March of 2020. Xbox Two is November of 2020. Is that a uh, really big of a concern there, or not really? Is it as long as it's just like the same year, it's fine? Or do you want to launch like at the same time? I think if it's the same year, it's fine. It's it's going to be about like I mean, people are people are able to wait a few weeks. 
if it, if it's like if Microsoft has a message there, uh, yeah, it's more powerful. People wait. Yeah. So X SXG one says, can you predict what next gen consoles will be better and sell better? Oh boy, I'm gonna get some hate on this one. Uh, <laughs> which next gen console will be better? I think Microsoft. One of Microsoft's SKUs will be the best. I think it'll have the best specs. Um, as for which one will sell better, I'm going to say PlayStation. I'm going to say it's not even a contest. Like just basing it on history and the fact that Microsoft and the Xbox aren't as big as a global brand as PlayStation is, that even if Microsoft retook the North American market, which is possible, uh, despite the you know big surge in PlayStation this gen and beating the Xbox two to two two to one two to five to one three to one or whatever right I uh, I still don't see them making it any rounds in Europe so even if Microsoft flips North America next gen even by ten million units because even right now as well as the PlayStation's doing eighty six million units sold worldwide it's like a three million gap between the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. It's not that big, considering the 360 oh, really? that placed it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's small. It's really small. Three million. I didn't know it was that small. But, like, the 360 to PS3, that was like a 13 to 14 million gap. And PlayStation made it all up in Europe. So I think something similar could happen next gen. I think Xbox could essentially tie the PlayStation 5 or flip North America. And... I just think you're, I don't think Europe cares about Xbox, quite frankly. We all know Asia doesn't care about Xbox. So as good as Microsoft can do next gen, I still think PlayStation in the end sells more hardware. And I don't think that's really like an insane thing to say. Um, but like they all, these companies all look at different metrics now. It's not like the PlayStation one era where like hardware sales and software sales were like it. Like now they all have these monthly active users and they're going to have, you know, Xbox going to have the cloud and their game pass subscription and their gold subscriptions and all these other things and bringing in revenue and all this different other metrics of success. Sure. Like selling consoles is a metrics of success and usually the number one metrics of success, but it's not like the be all end all like it used to be Um, because you know, who's bigger than, than Sony and doesn't really have any consoles. Tencent. And they only like make mobile games, right? Well, they own Path of Exile. They own well, League of Legends. I'm saying they yeah, it's mostly mobile games. Yeah, but if you look at their revenue. Like Tencent brings in way, way more money than Sony does. More than Xbox too. So I mean, it's just like one of those things where it's like there's so many different me- metrics of success. But if you're just looking at consoles sold, I think the PlayStation Five will still sell more than the Xbox two or whatever we're going to call it. I mean, what do you think, Jez? I agree. I think, um, for Microsoft to really win back, the uh, sort of like mass market, either Sony has to fuck it up again, like, uh, they did with the PS3, arguably, uh, or Microsoft has to like, have just such an amazing lineup, launch lineup of, great games and games that people are really interested in. Maybe games that people are nostalgic for, like Banjo or something like that, um, to show that they're really, you know, 
do care about what core gamers want and stuff like that. And those are the those aren't the mass market people, but they they influence people's purchases. You know, um, unless all of that happens, then yeah, I think Sony will continue to be the winners, quote unquote, in terms of sales volume. But it's like you say, so many different ways to measure it now. I mean, my, the biggest, who knows, man, in like two or three years, the biggest chunk of Microsoft's Xbox revenue could come from Game Pass and it could come from xCloud if they get that. If they nail that perfectly, if that lands perfectly, then the the, con, the, the whole idea of what Microsoft's business model for gaming is could completely flip. Well, yeah, and look, look at Game Pass because I just wanted to talk about it here for a single second. I've been on record, like, even though I don't really use it, I think the, I think, like, Game Pass is pretty awesome. And you look at, like, this month, December, you have a brand new game, The Gardens Between, launching day and date into Game Pass on day one. And that's where I think, like, Xbox Game Pass separates itself from other, you know, like, competitors like the PlayStation now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure somebody will in chat if I'm wrong about this. But like, I don't think PlayStation now has games launching into that service the day they're available on PlayStation. Uh, I think most of their current gen selection on PS Now is older stuff, whereas like Xbox Game Pass tends to have um, newer releases. And it's not just the Gardens Between with launching day and date. Like Mutant Year Zero, when it launches on December fourth for everybody on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, will also be their Game Pass on day one. I've, um, um, I've played Mutant Year Zero, and it is awesome. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked when they announced that was going day and day into Game Pass, because that, you think of, like, Game Pass games as, like, either Microsoft exclusives or games that need a little bit of help. I don't see Mutant Year Zero as a game that needs a bit of help. It's really, really good. So... Uh, that intrigues me, you know? I don't know. Well, somebody says I'm lying. Lying about what? Uh, apparently about PlayStation Now, but... Oh, I I don't you think... Said correct. You said correct to me if you're Well, lying. right. I don't... I mean, if if I'm incorrect about the information, I apologize. But, like I said, if somebody has the information... I'm pretty sure PlayStation Now. Now, he says PlayStation Plus. I said PlayStation Now, which is a totally different service than PlayStation Plus. PlayStation Now is mostly comprised of uh, PS3 games with some PlayStation 4 games. But I'm almost positive that PlayStation Now does not have games launched day and date into the service, right? Like, I'm pretty damn sure. Now, I could be wrong. And if somebody has the correct information, they'll correct me. But I'm pretty sure that's not the case. I'm not saying they don't have current-gen titles in PlayStation now, because they do. There are like 120 uh, PlayStation 4 games in PlayStation, PlayStation now. now is, like, it's got a good selection. It's just kind of laggy. You know? mm. Now, PlayStation Plus, I've seen games launch day and date on it. But I don't think PlayStation now has that. Um but like that's one of the reasons I do like Game Pass. Mutant Year Zero, The Gardens Between, right? A couple games that are launching, uh, you know, one for twenty, one for thirty-five, and it's like, yo, you don't necessarily have to buy those games if you're on the fence. You can just subscribe to Game Pass for a dollar if you wanted to and play those. But it's like, 
it's not just that. Strange Brigade, which is a game that just came out uh, a few months ago, is coming into Game Pass four-player co-op. Uh, you have Hellblade and Ori in the Blind Forest. You have Ashen, which is rumored to be dropping this month. And when that I've does come Ashen out... Too. Ashen is really good. Yeah. Um, so Ashen will be there day one. Like I'm t- like, I think as the service continues to improve and as like third parties see the data about how it actually helps their games rather than hurts their games, I think you'll start seeing more games launch into the service. We already kind of like, seen um, about that it helping games rather than hurting them. I'm like intrigued by like how long that lasts for because eventually there'll be so much content in there where. It gets to a point where there's too much stuff in it to help some of the games. I think, like, I think it could get saturated, or is that crazy? I mean, I guess it's possible. That's where the curation comes in, right? Um, where you need to create a good life. Have you noticed though recently that uh, the Game Pass has kind of stopped adding 360 titles to the catalog? It's been, it's been mostly current gen uh, stuff. Which is is pretty good in my opinion because I, I think they used the 360 games originally to pad out and hit that hundred game mark. Um, which I mean, obviously it's backwards compatibility. It fits all their kind of like like hey, we do back and pat, and here's some games here. But like my thing was like I'd rather have Game Pass just be current gen games. So I don't know. Then at XO 18, they announced a whole bunch of games they'll be launching like day one into the service too. I think it's pretty cool, but. As X, XG1 just said, do you think if they add a lot more games on Game Pass, they will raise the price? And I guess that is a concern, Jez. Do you see it always being $10 a month, or are we looking at a scenario where like Netflix goes up a couple dollars every year, and at some point maybe it's $20 a month, maybe it's 15 Like I can't... I think they'll, um, they'll, they'll adjust for inflation, but like... I mean, I was having... There was this discussion on Reset Era's um, Xbox Discord, actually, where people were trying to figure out what the what the the monetization model is for xCloud. Is xCloud going to be a tier of Game Pass? Is it going to be a separate subscription altogether? You know, maybe that's how they further monetize Xbox Game Pass, is to add an xCloud tier to it. Which has like maybe it has better margins and that helps monetize further content. You know, well, not also, everybody would want pe- every people who want Game Pass. Maybe not all of them want Game Cloud, X Cloud. So like, right. it makes sense for it to be an option, right? Kind of like Netflix, uh, Spotify has has its price tiers too. Well, so Dark Time says these are not AAA ran and like look. I'm not saying they're AAA games. Uh, Gardens Between and Mutant Year Zero aren't. But they're quality indie titles uh, that I think people might be enjoy, you know, might enjoy. And Microsoft's already putting their games in Game Pass. Sure, some of their games in the future might be AA, like Ori in the Blind Forest or Will in the Wisp, rather. And clearly Gears of War 5 is going to be AAA. I'm just saying, like, maybe eventually down the road, a couple years from now, when Game Pass has a solid subscription base and there's some actual analytical evidence that they can take the publishers and be like, yo, like, what if Shadow of the Tomb Raider, like, launched in Game Pass day one? You know what? Have been a per- what if Fallout 76 was a Game Pass title day one? You know? 
that seems it seems like perfect for something along those lines. Um, sure. I don't know. I'm saying like I'm not saying like every single game that'll be added is like AAA games, but then again, I'm not of the opinion that the only games worth playing on Xbox or PlayStation is just the AAA stuff. You know what I mean? Like I think there's so many games out there that are indie, double A, single A that are really damn good. Um, it's just that sometimes people focus too much on AAA, like way too much on it. And they're like, if it's not AAA, then I'm not going to play it. I mean, like, which I mean, that's your like prerogative, but like you're missing out on some like really cool experiences, even like the gardens between, I just put up a review for it. Uh, it's a two hour puzzle game. That's pretty unique. You know, you control time back and forth and it's like two hours long. Like it kind of fits into that, like little area i don't know like it, there's there's games worth playing that aren't just triple a is what i'm trying to say and i think game pass can help people find those things and like have you know, discover some great games that they didn't know that really existed i don't know but this yeah, is coming like, from somebody who plays a million games like you know i have 1.2 million gamer score yeah there's a lot of people now that have more than me but at one point like there was only three so i played a ton of games and yeah, some weren't playing, but some really were, and not all of them were AAA titles. Some were indie games, and some were double A games. You know, so I mean, look at Fallout seventy six. People people say that's a AAA game. Like Buddy Boy says in chat, that doesn't mean quality. AAA doesn't mean quality. <laughs> you know what I mean? So how dare you? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? how dare I? Ah. Uh, I am like I'm. I'm. I've been playing. Um, I've been playing the whole time. I've been podcasting. I've been playing Fallout. Right. Right. Really so broke. <laughs> yeah. No shit. We're, right. Right now we're camping a bugged spawn point where like a high level scorpion just keeps spawning over and over again, and we're standing on top of a, a table, and he can't kill us, and we just we're just basically cheesing him for XP. It's so broken. So broken. Uh, it's so broken so indeed. Broken. Um, and what was I going to ask you? Um, Why do I hate myself? Oh, uh, Face <laughs> Face wanted to know, uh, what are your thoughts on the PS4 Pro? Have you experienced the PlayStation user interface? How would you compare it to the Xbox user interface? Have you played any games yet? Like, I... Um... No, I've still been super busy with... Uh, I'm actually reviewing a, Stellar, a Stellaris DLC at the minute, which is taking up a lot of my time. I don't know if you know much about Stellaris, but that game is pretty time-consuming. But um, I have played around with it a bit. I started The Last of Us Remastered. Uh, right from the very first scene, you kind of know that it's going to break my heart, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like already sort of like... Do I really want to play this? But um, it, even though it's a PS3 game remastered, it still looks incredible. Like, are you playing uh, 4K or 60 frames? Well, I'm playing um, I'm playing at 1080p right now because I need to get a 4K splitter, which actually just arrived a few hours oh, ago. So you are playing frame rate then, since it's 1080p 60. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. I will be playing resolution. Well, no, so. you got you got to switch it. I think there's an option in the settings to switch it. But yeah, like, dude, Last of Us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and some... I just uh, I just bought Bloodborne because that's it's in the sale. Yeah, Bloodborne. Where, um, it's currently on sale for seven quid. 
I thought, yeah, I'll have that. Bit of Bloodborne. I have Bloodborne um, as well, but I'm not but, uh, enough to play it. Yeah, I'm probably not mad enough either, but I, seven quid, I just thought, why not? But um, for reals, uh, the PlayStation dashboard, first, first, first and foremost, so much faster than the Xbox dashboard. It's... Mm-hmm. It's crazy, you know, and that's what's one area where Microsoft really needs to put some focus on the next Xbox. And I know they are because they're ditching the Hyper-V multi-operating system approach for Scarlet. I'm pretty sure that I've heard that. So there's that at least. Um, The share button as well, so much more intuitive than what we've got an Xbox for sharing content. The PlayStation does so much right. With its with its with its console and, and that sort of stuff, and um, the software and yeah, the stuff that isn't so great, like the name change system, is all they didn't think ahead with that stuff. And there's no backwards compatibility. Fair enough, and you know, but the, there's a lot there's a lot to love about the PlayStation Four Pro, and it it's not nearly as big as I, as I expected. You know, yeah, I, I, like I, you you expected like. Because uh, obviously, I've never seen one in person until I bought one, and um, the way that like some critics were talking about the X, like, "Oh my God, it's so small compared to the Pro and stuff like that," it's really not that much smaller. It's actually not as tall as the X. So, but I'm happy with it, and I'm looking forward to playing The Last of Us and God of War. Well, I'm I'm glad and... you're playing Last and the Last of Us first because. I did that poll, right? I did a poll yeah, on Twitter. Not what should I play first? Yeah. God of War won, but I ignored the poll because a lot of people were making the point that if I go, if I play God of War first and then go back to The Last of Us, I might feel it might feel dated. Yeah, there's a lot. God of War borrows a lot of stuff from Last of Us. Sure, a lot of the PlayStation games do borrow a lot of stuff from Naughty Dog, you know. Um, but yeah, Last of Us, like it took me a little bit to get through the first chapter. Uh, but like I think once it hit autumn, I think you start off in summer because the game's like separated by seasons. Like man, it was just like one roller coaster ride uh, after another, and like it was it that game is. I think that game is definitely my favorite Naughty Dog game. Is you know you should play Uncharted Four when you get a chance, but man, I cannot wait to see what they do with Last of Us Two. And here we go, going from the Xbox Two podcast to the PlayStation podcast, um, <laughs> which you know. Jeff's got a new system. I can't wait for him to play all these uh, cool games. You know, I, I still have a whole... Like, I actually... I got a Switch, too. You got a Switch, too, but nobody cares about the Switch. I haven't um, played any games on it yet. I, uh, I tried out Astrobot Rescue Rescue Mission on the PSVR and had to stop after 15 minutes because I had it gave me the worst headache you could possibly imagine. That's the thing with VR. It's like... Yeah, yeah it, You never know if it's going to make you feel ill. Well, I did... Yeah, I, I played, wasn't, like, um, sick... But like my head was just pounding, like everything seemed out of focus, and I was and I was really enjoying it. Like I think I finished the first world, but dude, like that's the thing about PS like VR in general. Like I like the tech; it's really cool. But having that thing on my face, having all those wires like draping down off my shoulder onto the floor, like, and then like as I'm playing, just slowly I get this pulsating headache, and I'm just like, I can't play this anymore. And as cool as the experience is, it's like I can't, I can't do this, man. Like, it's I, exhausting, I, isn't it? There's, um, I don't have a PlayStation headset, but I do have a 
I do have a Windows Mixed Reality headset. I've got the I've got the HP one, which is the cheap one. The new Samsung Odyssey Windows Mixed Reality headset has some kind of tech in it that reduces the screen door effect. I think it's called, which is which is the sensation that your eyes are trying to focus on the glass rather than what's in the TV screen. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. apparently that, that can induce nausea. And that can happen when you're in a dark place in in the um in a in a VR game. If you're in a dark place and you see a shadow, your eye suddenly realizes that you aren't in VR. You're actually looking at a piece of glass and it try it tries to focus on the glass. And that's what can create headaches and create nausea. But the new Samsung headset has some kind of tech that blocks that. So I'm interested to see like what the next PlayStation VR and what the what the future of this tech is going to be because Facebook's pretty much out of the game now. Well, the new Oculus Rift has been cancelled. So well, right, yeah. So it's, I just it's wonder PlayStation now. Yeah, I just wonder is PlayStation going to you know like they're the leaders on it? Like how how far do they go? Like I don't know. I good on Sony for continuing and support it, but I'm just wondering like. I want play. I want the. I want VR to be like glasses you put on, and like wireless. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's got it's got a long way to go before it's not a, a miserable experience. Like I played Arizona Sunshine is a great VR game, where like it's like a zombie apocalypse shooter in VR, and Super Hot VR as well is also amazing. If you got PSVR, you can get Super Hot VR on that as well. I think, and those games are great because. You can stand still while playing them, and you don't have you don't have a sensation where you have to move around. But then, if you play Minecraft VR in those dark dungeons mining, man, I've never felt so ill playing VR than I have in Minecraft VR. It's so so nauseating. I don't know, kind of gone off off track a bit there. Hello. Rand? Did I disconnect? Hello? Has Rand disconnected? Or have I disconnected? One of us is disconnected. No, 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 no. None of us is disconnected. I just had to do something real fast. Sorry. Okay. This has been um, a bit of a, me- a messy one this week. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it is It is episode number 76. So Is it really? Yeah. So what do you want to say? <laughs> Episode 76 of the Xbox 2 podcast, uh, taking this, after Fallout 76. This episode is cursed. So, like, Jazz didn't show up for the first 10 minutes because of his computer's thing. Like, yeah, all this stuff here. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know what you said, but, yeah, I want to... Uh, I, I said Minecraft VR is the worst VR experience you can ever have, mm, basically. Mm. Um, but... That, it's interesting to think, like, because the X, the Xbox One X was announced as a VR machine. And then they're backtracked. Do you think they they try and do a Windows Mixed Reality play with the next system? I don't know what they're gonna. I don't think Microsoft thinks VR is a big thing. So I I wouldn't be surprised if if it supported it. But like, I don't think like there's been pretty much no effort whatsoever from Microsoft to get more games on the Mixed Reality store. They're basically just like they added compatibility with Steam and then just washed their hands of it. But, like, obviously, you're not going to get Steam on the next Xbox, so 
that pretty yeah. much kills Windows Mixed Reality for the next X. And you know what? What kills a podcast is VR talk, and I always say talking about it. But I did want to talk about my uh, adventure with uh, Astrobot. So I know it's getting a little bit late, and people are like snoozing, like <laughs> VR. Oh. So I wanted to uh, <laughs> come to the end of the podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys all for watching here. Uh, we'll take a couple questions before we get out of here. So we had like I don't know four hundred people watching. Do us a favor. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you uh, hit the like button. If you didn't like the podcast, hit that dislike button. Sub to the channel if it was your first time here. If you haven't already, make sure you follow Jez on Twitter. And uh, let's. So SXG wants to know, Jez, do you think Xbox exclusives will be better with all the studios getting unlimited budget? And do you think the games will get hate even if they are great? Well, we kind of answered this earlier. There's no such thing as an unlimited budget. It's not happening. Microsoft never said anything about it. Um, studios need to scale before we see before we see the kind of quality that Sony's enjoying with Naughty Dog and uh, you know Santa Monica Studio and and all that sort of stuff. Until we see that kind of that kind of quality, it's going to take years. It's going to take Obsidian's going to have to grow. Inexcel's going to have to grow. Undead Labs is going to have to grow. They're going to have to get better tech in house and and all that sort of stuff. Microsoft has to lay a whole studio infrastructure tied together by Matt Booty to make all this stuff work smoothly, you know. Um, and it might not work at all, you know. Um, but uh, it's going to take time to get there. And I think people, I think even at the start of next gen, so, I don't think it's easy to just expect out of the gate tons and tons of high quality stuff i mean i think i think if they put out a bad game i think they'll get made fun of and people hate on them but quality games you can't really say much about you can say like they're not interested in like you can't really hate on god of war like can't do it you can't do it you can say it's not for you which is fine but you can't really say anything about it you can't really hate on last of us you can't really hate on spider-man um you know, we saw what happened with Sea of Thieves and State of Decay 2. People hated on those games. And uh, you see people don't really hate on Forza because it's a good game. So, like, as long as they produce quality games, I don't think people will hate. I think it'll take a string of quality games to make people turn around and be like, all right, Microsoft is on to something here. Their studio acquisitions are really good. But, like, not I don't expect all their games to come from them. They're going to be great. Just like I don't expect all Sony's games to be great. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, uh, Coral Guy wants to know: Do you think Alien Blackout is hinting to an Alien Battle Royale game? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I want it to be like Alien Isolation Two, but we'll just have to wait and see if that game does get revealed uh, later on at the Game Awards. Hardman Bureau has been saying all cha- all day in chat, Remedy, Remedy. He wants to talk about. He wants us to talk about Remedy. Do so you want to talk about Remedy, Jez? What about? Uh- I don't know. I don't know. Like he says, Microsoft needs them, and uh, I would love Remedy to work with Microsoft again. Whether they buy them, whether they just work with them again, I would love that because I want my Quantum Break sequel and I want my Alan Wake sequel. I want those sequels really bad, but the, I don't get a sense of it happening from conversations I've had. It sounds like there's bad blood, maybe. And stuff like that, and they don't want to work together. I mean, I would love a sequel to Alan Wake or a sequel to Quantum Break. 
but I think the writing's on the wall. I think they're going to be a multi-platform studio. This could have ended a little bit differently if maybe situations were just time-shifted a bit. You know, like at the time when Quantum Break was finished, it was 2016. Microsoft wasn't really investing in new stuff, and, you know, they needed to find new work. If Quantum, if that situation was like now, maybe Microsoft, you know, with the Game Pass initiative and wanting exclusives, maybe something changes. But I don't think they'll work again together. I think, like, what Remedy does is they, they create... I think they... Part of it is I think they took Microsoft for a ride because I had heard how expensive Quantum Break was, and I'm just like, yeah. Like, that's way too much money for what it was. Um, so I don't think... I don't think we'll see them work together again. It'll be They'll be multi-platform unless, like, everything bombs and then maybe somebody picks them up or, like, a different different publisher or whatever. But, you know, a lot of their games, they don't really sell particularly too well. Quantum Break didn't sell well. Alan Wake didn't sell that well. Max Payne... It took, it took years. It took the PC version. It took backwards compatibility. It took all these extra Alan yeah. Wake additions for that to break even. It took yeah. years. And it's like badass Lord Tipsy says, we are getting Quantum Break 2. It's called Control. Exactly right. <laughs> now Hardman constantly typing Crytek in chat. Crytek, uh, there's bad blood between Crytek and Microsoft. Oh, yeah, Crytek. There's a lot of bad blood there. Yeah, Crytek's not going to happen. So Crytek is not happening. There's Rise Two is not being made. Crytek owns that IP. There's bad blood. Rise Two is. Not happening. I've been pretty much told Rise Two is never going to happen. Yeah. So. so as much as as much as people want Crytek, you know they they do Crisis and things like that. Sorry, you know the business relationship is kind of doomed at that point. So doomed. So Frommy wants to know, do you think Fable 4 will still look all cartoony or do they try a more realistic Forza Horizon 4 look? That's interesting. Now, I I would personally like them to ditch the cartooniness. Me too. It feels like such a, it feels like such a crutch. It's like, yeah, to make it stylized as an excuse to not actually have to put any detail in, you know? And that's that might sound like a harsh way of looking at it, but I can't look at it any other way. You know. Yeah. I don't like but, cartoony. Stop it. I, I agree with you. Like I think the Fable games always reminded me of like World of Warcraft with their art style. Um I think I want a more like, realistic like I get it in World of Warcraft because it's like it just means that you can ship loads and loads of content faster, right? Yeah, I see here's the thing, it's like I know that, so from what we heard, it's a Fable game. We don't know if it's a reboot or Fable 4. There's there's like always a split of what people want from it. Some people want it to just like be Fable 4 and, and follow like the cheeky British humor and have that same kind of uh, art style and combat and just like, oh, it's just 10 years later and here's just an extension of Fable. But I think Playgr- Playground Games is going to put their own spin on it. And I think what people want is a more realistic looking game Keep the humor if you want. Keep that British humor, but I think maybe have it look more in line with The Witcher or Assassin's Creed Odyssey. More realistic approach. Maybe slightly exaggerated, you know? But, like, ditch that full-on cartoony kind of thing. Um, Make it more mature. And we'll see how that comes out. I think franchises need to grow with their audience. I mean, look at, like... Harry Potter, for example, the first Harry Potter movie 
was like it's basically a kids movie. But then by the end, the the last the final Harry Potter movie is like pretty damn dark. <laughs> And it's because it grew with the audience, you know. The audience got older, more mature, and wanted more maturity. And then, like all the all the people that were kids playing Fable, if they just made another sort of kiddie farting Fable game, I mean, maybe keep that in for the you know for the identity or whatever. But it needs to be a more mature game, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, SXG wants to know: Can you talk about Crackdown Three? So. Yeah, Jez. I mean, you had this huge article. Well, I mean, you played it, but you had this huge article where, you know, you talked to Joseph Statton about this stuff. Can you elaborate on some of the things uh, that you talked about and Crackdown 3, talking about like a Crackdown 4 and all this kind of things? Yeah, I was was kind of cheeky to press him on that because one thing developers really hate is when you ask them about sequels when really they just want to focus on the game that that they're talking about. But I really wanted to sort of talk about this idea that one of the things that I really hate, for example, about Microsoft games is this sense that you can't ever look forward to a sequel or get invested in the franchise because Microsoft just doesn't seem to want to do sequels. You know, the game doesn't do well, that's it, you know. But I I did kind of cheekily ask, like... What would it take for what would it take for Crackdown to you know get a sequel you know Crackdown Four? Joe Staten was like you know we've got to earn it we've got to earn it and just got to try and make Crackdown as good as it can be and stuff like that. And we were the the purpose of the visit was to try out the multiplayer, but we were sort of teased on the campaign as well because they wanted to. I wanted to let us know that it was still a thing that was coming. And um, I'm honestly not sure if I'm allowed to talk about what they showed us, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, What they showed us was like vastly expanded in scope than anything we've seen before. And um, I think think there is a chance that they show some of that off at the Game Awards, like you said before. Um, The... it was it was the cloud tech that was holding up the game and delaying the game, and also the fact that Epic Games bought Cloud Gin disrupted the development cycle. I'm again, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this either, but they had to rebuild all of the cloud tech from the ground up after that happened. So um, that seriously caused problems, as you can imagine, but. On the one hand, it caused problems, but on the other hand, it allowed them to make the campaign more credible. So now it's got like nine boss battles, I think they they said. Um, it's got a sort of Assassin's Creed style structure where you have to work your way up lieutenants to get to a boss and stuff like that. Um, the world's bigger. There's more tools in the sandbox. I believe the word Joe, Joe Satin said there's more tools. More stuff to do, and um, it looks. I'm optimistic for it, you know. And honestly, it's not my kind of game. I don't like wacky sandboxes. I don't like just cause, really. I like more mature sort of games, generally. But for people who are fans of that sort of game, I think it's worth being optimistic for it. Right. Well, I'm. I mean, I'm still looking forward to playing on February fifteenth. So. 
um, looking to play the campaign with you, maybe some of the multiplayer, so I can destroy you and drop a building on top of you. You know, <laughs> I think I think it could be pretty interesting. But um, yeah, so that'll be it for now. I know it's a little late for Jazz, so we're gonna end the show. Sorry for doing the show on Friday; it was both our faults. We're gonna try to do it on Wednesday or whenever we can. Uh, our schedule is a little bit hectic right now, but um, yeah. So thank you guys so much. If you're watching this later on Google or iTunes, we appreciate you. If you're here watching on YouTube before you leave, make sure you hit that like button and share out the link on Twitter. So more people can check it out. Hit the subscribe button, follow Jez on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with the new podcast. Hopefully there'll be tons of stuff to talk about. And um, later, guys. Have a good one. Peace.